This is Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he had also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called a zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Thanks, Kristen. Good morning, everyone. So glad that you're here with us. My name is Craig, and I'm a pastor here at Hope Jersey City. Uh, If this is your first time, again, welcome. Uh, We believe God is calling us to, uh, to be a community that exists to connect people to Jesus' tangible love. So thank you for being here, and we hope even today, and maybe as you even connect, that you would experience the love of Jesus. Um, I'm going to sit down because I like sitting so I can look distinguished, but I'm just, anyway, just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so we're continuing our sermon series called um, Life of a Disciple. In the last three weeks, we've been looking at what does it look like for us to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean for um, every one of you here to be a follower of Jesus. But I want to show you, even as we've been going through this series, that there's something to this faith that we believe. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, there's something there that God wants us to see. Um, And today, I'll be looking at specifically what it means to be a disciple as far as connecting in. Connecting in to a community. What does that look like? Why is that important for us? Um, if you're part of, uh, partners, you probably have heard, heard about this, where we feel like God is calling us to connect, uh, people to the tangible love of Jesus. We, 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 we want to do that because we see in our world, many people are disconnected. We live in a disconnected society. Um, despite the, the amount of people that live in this city, we find out we're actually more disconnected. Despite the number of people on social media, we're still disconnected. But we know that through Jesus, Jesus actually brings us together. The gospel of Jesus connects us together. And that's what I want to look, like, look at today. And I want to do this in three ways. I want us to see the distinction of community. What does community exactly look like? Um, the risk of community and the hope of community. First, the scripture verse we read today, right? It was probably odd. Why, like, why are we reading a scripture verse with all the names of the disciples? But there are a couple of things that are happening there, even as we see the naming of the disciples. First, we see a picture of actually the grace of God. Um, we see Jesus calling the disciples, choosing them to be part of this inner cir- circle, And he does this not based on any of their merits or based on how good-looking they are or based on how smart they are. He does this purely by the grace and love that he had for them. And he called them into this intimate circle to know him, to follow him. The interesting thing about this is Jesus is beginning his ministry not by amassing crowds, Not by trying to amass influence and people and money and power. No, he does this by going smaller 
and going deeper with these 12 folks. These 12 folks who are called not on the basis of what they can do or can bring, but purely on the genuine love and grace of Jesus Christ. Years ago, um, in college, and I've shared this before, you know, I went through like really um, hard time in my life, was super depressed, unsure of what I was going to do in my life. And, and one of the things, one of the ideas that popped in my mind was, I'm going to join the army. I'm going to be part of the United States Army. Because, you know, I grew up, you know, watching those commercials, G.I. Joe and, you know, and the few, the proud, the Marines. And, oh, man, I want to be an elite person. I want to be part of this few people who are actually good at what they do because I can't think of anything else I want to do. I'm going to join these elite forces. So, of course, I had to do a physical. I had to do a test. And they worked me out and did all the tests that they could do. You can turn to the next slide. And I was working out and, you know, looking tired (laughs) and weary. And I went to the doctor, and he's giving me another test. He was like, yeah, you look look fit, but you're not that fit. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And then he said, he didn't actually tell me what happened. I just saw, he just wrote down something, and then told me I can go. But then I found out that I was rejected. <laughs> I was rejected. Man, I was tall. I thought I was fit. I thought I was strong enough, but I was rejected. I wasn't chosen to be part of this elite force. I was rejected because I had high blood pressure. I had a heart murmur, right? Some health irregularities. I was rejected. And that was, I was hurt by it. And I wasn't chosen to be part of this group. You know, quite often, when it comes to being part of a community or job or whatever it might be, you're typically chosen based on what you bring to that team, based on your value to that team or to that community or to that job. That's what you're chosen on. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, um, maybe you're playing sports. Maybe this happened in high school or college, playing sports, and maybe you're the last one who's chosen to be part of a team. Has that ever happened to you? No, you guys are fit, so they probably chose you first. But, you know, that has happened to me. Playing basketball in high school, you would think, that, wow, Craig is tall. He can play basketball. But no, I could not play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> so guess what happened Time and time again, I was the last one chosen. It was terrible. I was ashamed. And actually, there was a, the, and I think I took a gym class, and I actually missed half of that class because I was so ashamed. And then the, the, they called my, my parents, like, hey, your son is not going to, to, to gym. I'm like, why do I need gym to graduate? You know, why? But anyway, anyway long story. <laughs> but all my point is this, is that sometimes... Often, our value to a team, the, the, the jobs that we have, we're chosen to, to do those jobs or chosen to be part of a, a community or you know, based on what we can bring, based on our merits. But here, Jesus does something else that's different. He didn't choose these guys based on how smart they were and what type of jobs they had. 
He didn't choose them on that. He just chose them purely because he loved them. He chose them because he loved them. Why? Because he wanted them to be formed and transformed by his love. And this is what community is about. That you get to be a part of community. You get to be part of this faith. And if you're here, you're not a Christian. That, that is the foundational principle of our faith. You're not chosen because of how good you are. But I hear some people say, well, you know what? Right now, I don't have time to you know, think about faith. I'm just going to, you know, when I get my life together, I'm going to come back. When I'm a good person, I'm going to come back. No. The foundational principle is that you get to be part of this. You are invited to be part of this, not based on how good you are, but purely by the grace and the love of Jesus. So Christianity is not about good people finding faith. It's about a good God who has found you, who has found us. And it's within this Christian community that we are formed. It's within this Christian community that we are changed, that we experience the love and the power of God. It's not in some academic setting or some indoctrination, no. It's not what it's about. But it's through life on life with each other. Tim Keller writes that the main way we grow in grace and holiness is through deep involvement in the family of God. Christian community is more than just a supportive fellowship. It is an alternate society. It is through this alternate human society that God shapes us into who and what we are. It's through community that we know that we learn to follow Jesus. And that's why every week we talk about joining a hope group. That's why every week we talk about being part of community. Crowds is nice. You know, having 100 people here or so, that's great. That's beautiful. But formation happens when we come in community. But we all know that building community is not easy, right? Like, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's hard. Um, part of the problem is that we're all strapped for time. Um, we have a lot, of go- a lot of things going on. We, we, we live busy lives. And honestly, sometimes, even as Kristen said, I just rather stay home and watch Netflix. Because it's easier, it's more comfortable. But you know what? I think that what makes community difficult is not really lack of time. Because we often make time for things we value, right? You make time for relationships. You make time for Broadway shows. You make time for Netflix. <laughs> you make time. It's not that. It's something else. And here's it. And I think that's where, just look at the people Jesus surrounded himself with. A lot of them were broken people sinful people. Peter, one of the disciples, one of the leaders, right? He was hard-headed, stubborn, very stubborn. Um, He thought, oh, yes, my allegiance is to Jesus Christ. But we saw three times he denied that he knew Jesus. 
And even after, even after the resurrection, even after the whole thing, the whole church started, we see in, Paul writes in Galatians about how Peter was um, ostracizing himself from the Gentiles, from one group, and just hanging out with the Jews, right? Sinner. James and John, what were they more interested in? In power, right? They were more interested in being part of Jesus' inner circle, being part of the, you know, I'm going to sit on your left and your right. I'm going to be your right-hand man. That's what they were more interested in. And Jesus had to correct them. No, the greatest among you is the one that serves each other, that serves you. Simon the Zealot, who was a political activist, who was more interested, yeah, he was great, you know, he was more interested in, in overthrowing the Roman Empire by violence. And he probably thought Jesus would be that person who would overthrow the Roman Empire physically by violence. And of course, Judas. If you know the story, Jesus is the one who betrayed Jesus. All sinful, broken people. Jesus surrounds himself with such people. Why? Because we are all like that. We're all sinful. We're all broken. Oftentimes, we are more interested in what I can get. We're more interested in fulfilling our self-desires. We're more interested in, 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 in our own ego. My wife, Caitlin, tells me this all the time. And I thought, honestly, I always thought that when, I, when we get in an argument and I realize she's right, that I would, you know, say, yes, you're right. She said, no, <laughs> you never say that. You never admit that you're wrong. Because you're too prideful to admit it. You're too prideful to, to, to actually admit that, no, you're actually wrong. And I, the entire time I've always thought, oh, yeah, I'm the first. I'll tell you, yes, I'm wrong. Yeah, you're right. That's not true. I think a lot of us are like that too. Jesus surrounds himself with people like that because honestly... He surrounds himself with people like us, people who are humans and who are broken. I don't know how many of you guys saw the movie Us. <laughs> um, it's a horror movie by Jordan Peele. Don't see it. No, see it if you like horror movies. Um, it's not that scary. But anyway, I saw the movie. Um, and I'm not going to give you the whole, you know, like the secret or the whatever you call it, the hook. The, the what? The spoilers, that's right. I'm Nigerian. I don't know all those insider words. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm not going to give you the spoilers. But the general idea, general theme of the movie is this duality of just human beings. The, the us, the, 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 the shadow selves of, uh, of humanity. That we all have our, our dark sides. Right? We all come on Sundays and we look clean, proper, but I know at home sometimes you get into arguments with your spouses or with your friends, and over here you guys look beautiful, you look amazing, that's great, but we all have our shadow sides, and that's one kind of the general theme of the, the movie, and I think there's general consensus among, among every one of us, among, uh, our, even in our society, that we all have our shadow selves. 
We, have all, we all have things about us that are dark and evil. And essentially what I'm trying to say is this. The thing that actually, that, 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 um, that, that, that is central to every one of us is that our ego, our self-centeredness, gets in the way. So some of the ways that we see this happening is, if you guys have been part of a community, you see this, that um, we all tend to be judgmental. Right? That's one of the things, one of the ways we see this happening. We point fingers at each other. Maybe you go to someone's apartment and like, oh, wow, their apartment was nice. Oh, wow, their apartment is beautiful. Oh, wow, their apartment is small. Oh, wow, it's dirty and messy. Right? It's, it's normal human interaction. Like We like to make, come up with judgments really quick. But some of our judgments are oftentimes deconstructive or destructive, I mean. Oftentimes, to put people down. Another way we see this happening is, honestly, community is hard because of our lack of rootedness. We're non-committal, and I've, I've said this before: you send out an RSVP to your friends, you're not going to get a, a reply because they're trying to figure out, do I want to do something else that's more fun? Or do I want to go to this, my friend's party? Or whatever it might be. One way I see that happening is the maybes. <laughs> Maybe, I'm not sure yet. And the whole idea is that it's just, we're, we're not rooted. Or we don't have our priorities straight. Another way Tim Keller thinks about it is we, 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 we lack um, a, a vision of being rooted in the city. Sometimes home sounds more fun. I don't like New York City. I'm going to go back home, wherever home might be. I don't like this because I want to, like, we, we don't, there's a lack of commitment, a lack of rootedness in every one of us. And it's kind of, it's prevalent in all, all of our society because there's so many options I read something, someone called that the paradox of choice. I don't remember where I heard that from. But when you go to a supermarket, when you have so many choices to make, it's so hard to choose what you want to do, where you want to be rooted in. And I'm so guilty of this. Even sometimes it takes me like three months to book a hotel because I can't decide which hotel I should go to, which one I'm going to like, because there are so many options. So community, in many ways, is just part of the choices we have among us that, like, do I want to do this? No, I'd rather go drinking with my friends. I'm nothing wrong with that. Oh, I have a networking event that I have to go to, but I'm not going to. There's a lack of rootedness. And lastly, it's just, there's a fear of being seen. Sometimes we don't want to be seen. Sometimes we don't want to be vulnerable, probably because we're fear, afraid of being judged, criticized. We don't want to be seen. This, this, this is what lies, this, is, this herein lies the danger of community. And it's simply this, the risk of community is simply us. 
A community is made up of people like us who are broken, who are sinful. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, like, true community is often blocked by our own ego. But honestly, the only way, the only way, we sometimes we think the only way we can mitigate this risk or this danger is to really have my best friend who's there, who, you know, I love the people, hang out with the people I love the most, hang out with my family. But we see in this text, the only way we can mitigate this risk, this danger of community is really to turn upwards. And that's what we've been talking about the last the two sermons ago, is connecting upwards. Notice um, the, the first verse. The first thing Jesus does before he chooses those disciples. What was the first thing he did? He prayed. He turned upwards. Upwards. Luke writes that he spent the night praying, and, when, and then when the morning came, he went to his community. Essentially, what I'm trying to say is the only way we can live in true community is if we turn to Jesus, who has broken down the walls of hostility among us. The only way that I can hang out with um, any of you guys, the only, way, the only way I can actually be part of true community, despite the risk, despite the pain, the judgments I might get, the only way I can do this is by turning upwards. In Ephesians 2.14, it says, Paul writes, he writes this, I think I have it in the back, he says, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. And his purpose all along was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death the hostility. Essentially, what it's saying is Jesus himself is the one who has broken the walls among us. The wall of hostilities that we often experience among each other. He has broken down that wall so that we can now become one, so that we can actually live in true community. In uh, John 13, there's a passage there where uh, Jesus is about to uh, uh, wash their feet. Feet. And he washes the disciples' feet and he says, as I have done to you, now do to others. As I have done to you, do to others. And the implication is that is that when we have been transformed by the gospel, when we have experienced the true love of Jesus Christ and understand what he himself has done for us, that we can ta- turn to our brothers and our sisters and live in peace with them. One author says, when God was merciful to us, we learned to be merciful with our brethren. When we received forgiveness instead of judgment, we too were made ready to forgive our brethren. Is that once we've connected with God, once we've experienced the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we now can connect with each other. That we now can forgive each other. 
that we now can experience reconciliation with each other. Not because we're good people. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So then what is true community? What does true community look like? What does it look like in our relationships? If you're in a dating relationship, if you're in a marriage, if you're part of a group, what does that look like? It's really our willingness to let go of our comforts, to let go of our desires and let go of our ego. Why? Because we see that Christ himself has done that for us. Christ has paved the way for this to happen. So it doesn't really depend on us anymore. It's really dependent on what Christ has done for us. So my prayer, even as as a church, as we invite you to connect in, to connect in community, my prayer above all is first that we experience the grace and the love of Jesus Christ that's available for every one of us, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. Honestly, sometimes I think even most Christians need to experience and know the gospel. (laughs) We forget. We are so forgetful. If we can remember that Jesus himself has reconciled us, he has forgiven us despite what we have done, then we can live in peace and in harmony with our brothers, our sisters, our spouses, our boyfriends, our girlfriends, our dads, our moms, everyone. Amen? Let's pray. Even before I pray, I just want to invite you as the worship team plays, just to a time of reflection, a time of silence, time just to take it all in. Maybe you're here in this room and, yeah, you are, you've struggled at being part of a Christian community. You've struggled with, uh, I don't know what it, what, to being part of a hope group or, or maybe there's a family member or a friend that, There's been a a betrayal or tension. I think in this space, we just want to give you space just to think, just to, and I believe God will actually speak to you even in this moment. So just take this time.
God, you've been so merciful to us. You've been so loving to us. And even when we were distant, you're still reaching out for us. You're still calling out for us. Even when we're distracted by so many things that are that's happening in our lives, you're still reaching out for us. I just pray even now in this moment that you would help us to understand and to know just the immensity of your love towards us. And that even as we realize and understand just how much you love us, how much you care for us, that we will now turn to our brothers and our sisters, that we will live in community, in love and in peace and in harmony. But most of all, God, help us to deeply know how much you care for us and how much you love us. Let that propel us to live in community. So even in this moment, Holy Spirit would say, help us. Let us be aware of your presence. Let us be full of your presence. Let that propel us, that motivate us to live the life you